0: Hi, this is Ben Lowell and this is back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. While we're continuing our series today, I will tell with a message entitled "I will tell what Christ has done." So turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 10 verses 14 to 15, as we join Dr. Newfeld now.
1: I know a great many Christians are afraid of the word evangelism. And it's true for a number of reasons. You know, one man said, I have no idea how to start. And one woman said, I actually like people and I don't want to destroy my relationships with my non-Christian friends, so I don't evangelize. Well, let me come to your defense. If you've been taught a method of evangelism that feels forced or programmed or is not the outcome of your life, look, I can understand your dilemma. Some of us have had very bad experiences with evangelism. I know some people who have been guilted into going door to door, and that was kind of vaccinating you from the disease of evangelism. I know others who remember a campaign that came with a plan they felt pressured into, felt unnatural, it felt unrelated to their faith. Sometimes it goes like this. You know, have several non-Christian couples into your home or your office, and while they're there, these are the things you're supposed to do. You watch a movie together, then you make a gospel presentation, and you memorize certain lines. Well, instantly, you froze. It felt like selling a product for a pyramid marketing scheme. You thought you would die of shame, and it felt like you were taking advantage of your friends. I mean, you know, how would you ever talk to them again? And if that's what you're thinking, you can relax. I don't want to convince you to participate in a program. I mean, some are good and some well or not so much. And I want to convince you of evangelism as a way of life. And during this week, I want to share ways in which evangelism can become the outgrowth of the way in which you actually live. That is, if you're living as a faithful servant to your Lord. In short, I want evangelism to feel less programmatic and more authentic. I want to invite you into the real lives of people who don't know Christ. You really can have a spiritual conversation with people that leads to a discussion about the saving news of Jesus, and you really can survive those experiences with joy. Indeed, you might even have the indescribable joy of leading someone to faith in Christ. I know there are some who say, you know, I evangelize just in the way I live. I mean, people can see that I'm a Christian. They know I go to church and what I believe. You know, we sometimes quote Francis of Assisi, who some report to have said, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. Well, <laughs> I've got news for you. Romans 10:14 and 15. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them who preach good news. So back to Francis. Use words if necessary. Well, according to the Bible, words are necessary. Yeah, we must live an authentic Christian life. But just living your life is not enough. You must tell. I know what some are thinking. You're thinking, you said that after you're done explaining how to do evangelism as a way of life, that, you know, you can relax. Well, now I'm not relaxing. You know, it's one thing to have a campaign in which someone might be pressured to participate, but mercifully that campaign ends. It would take a lot to convince you to do evangelism by telling others of what God has done in Christ as a way of life all the time. You might be saying, I don't think I can do that. So let me tell you my story. I surrendered my life into the hands of Jesus when I was 18. It was not long after that that I and a friend went to a Christian movie in a church which as I think back on it now, it wasn't that great of a movie. But after the movie, completely to my surprise, my friend told me he didn't know Christ and wanted to become a Christian. I was unprepared. I mean, how do we do this thing now? I'm still amazed how badly I handled it. But my friend was determined not to let me off the hook. He insisted that I help him come to Christ. So I said, well, I I think you got to confess your sins and ask Jesus into your life. Well, that's all I knew. And so... He did what I suggested, and amazingly, after that encounter, my friend was a changed man, and just so amazingly, so was I. You know, I still didn't know anything about how to share my faith with someone, but I became convinced there were people all around me who were far more interested in Christ than I had ever been led to believe. You know, at this point in my life where, you know, I've had the privilege of praying with many to receive Christ, I'm more deeply convinced of that truth than ever before. You know, I have an undergraduate degree from the University of Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. During my years there, I developed an insatiable hunger to share Christ. You know, by that time I had been converted myself. I had been to Bible college. I had learned a bit about the Bible. I had memorized some gospel presentations. I was also learning how to defend my faith and university seemed like a grand adventure to me. I felt like I was stepping out onto the mission field. I knew there would be those who wanted to discredit the gospel, but I felt I was there to earn a degree and to declare Christ. I wondered how to start, and no one had ever trained me, and to my amazement, I learned that if I was faithful and unashamed of Christ, the opportunities would come. I remember I was in a sociology class. My prof had just made a statement that the Christian faith repressed sexuality and led to unnatural ways of living. So I put up my hand and said, look, I'm a Christian. I'd like to challenge that. I'd like to tell you what the Bible actually says about sex. Now, to be truthful, I didn't even have the slightest idea of what I was going to say. I was frantically trying to remember some verse of Scripture. But by God's grace, the class had come to an end. And my prof said, look, we'll pick this up next time. And then looking at me, he said, you can make your case then. Well, that gave me two days. And two days later, I'm telling you, I was ready. I learned from that experience. God is in control. He's going to help me in my weakness. I was then in an English class in which I wrote a paper defending my faith against a book. We were assigned to read a book that was overtly antagonistic to the Christian faith. I wondered what the outcome would be, but my prof, and I almost fell over dead, asked me to read my paper in front of the class. I had countless conversations about Christ as a result of that. I felt God was watching over me and his word. See, during my university years, I was given the opportunity to lead some of my classmates to faith in Christ. I remember a medical student. I remember a young man training for the priesthood. I remember a young man whose parents hated him. I remember getting involved in people's lives, and I remember some of the greatest friendships ever. I learned how to share my faith in those years, and whereas I've heard of many Christian students who have abandoned their faith or weakened their faith while in university, I graduated with distinction, and I felt it was some of the most faith-strengthening years of my life. And the reason for that was simple. Evangelism forced my faith to grow. And you know, over the years, I both joyful and painful memories. I remember two police officers, both who professed to give their lives to Christ. One is right now a solid follower of Jesus. The other left his wife, his family, and deserted whatever faith he once professed to have. I remember a young demon-oppressed woman coming miraculously to faith only to fall into the hands of false teachers who almost robbed her of her newfound faith. I wish I could tell the story of how miraculously God again put me into her path and how with courage she turned from those who were confusing her and is now living with power and joy to the glory of God. I wish I had time to tell you the story of a young atheist raised in an atheist home whose dad had disowned him and who, through that experience, opened up to the gospel in a way he never could have had his relationship with his dad been intact. He's a faithful follower of Christ today. I wish I had time to tell the story of a dying man with no Christian background who had so many questions. Right now, he's in the courts of Jesus praising the Redeemer who ransomed him. I had the joy of being a part of all of that and so much more, and those stories have made me rich. Listen, not all the stories are as great as the ones I've just mentioned, but they're all intense moments of warfare and conflict with the prince of darkness and the sense that the Holy Spirit is urging me to pray more and establish me deeper in the faith and at other times just confessing to him my cold heart towards God. A commitment to evangelism has, in many ways, rooted me more deeply into Christ. I guess what I'm trying to communicate is that evangelism has not just changed the lives of the people that I've had the joy of sharing the gospel with. It's changed my life. I not only believe in the power of the gospel, I've personally witnessed the power of the gospel. I have come to believe that before you can be persuaded to make evangelism a part of the rest of your life, Listen, you have to be persuaded that this is the most exciting life that you can have. Sharing your faith for a lifetime is the desirable life. It's rich, it's full, it's meaningful, it's exciting, and it's got drama. It's the thing that you're looking for. You're going to make the greatest of friends, and you're going to enjoy the deepest of relationships. Hold on to that. Believe that.
0: Ricardo wrote, Thank you and all the men and women of Back to the Bible Canada for the great work you do. You continue to inspire my spiritual growth and I'm grateful God has given me the opportunity to contribute. All praise and glory to God. Ricardo, thank you. Friends like you make this Bible teaching ministry possible. Has your life been impacted by the Word of God and perhaps the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada? with your financial contribution or by becoming a monthly partner through our 1119 fellowship, we can continue to make Bible teaching you can trust accessible to our nation. If you'd like to be part of the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, Laugh Again or in Doubt, just give us a call at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.
1: With the time I have remaining today, I want to reflect on what Christ has done personally in all of our lives when we give our lives to Christ. And tomorrow, I want to reflect on one of the most perplexing questions that many North American Christians struggle with. Are those who have no faith in Christ actually lost, and is their only hope the gospel of Jesus, or should we hold out some other hope for them? Is it possible to be saved without explicit faith in Jesus? And how does the answer to that question impact us? Then on Thursday, I want to get very practical. I want to talk about how many Christians, regardless of who they are, can actually engage people in spiritual conversations that lead to a discussion of the cross of Christ. And on Friday, I want to talk about the place of apologetics. I want us to be better in answering the tough questions that people are inevitably going to ask us. See, one of the reasons many of us find it difficult to share our faith, well, let me be as frank as I know how. It's because we're not brimming over with joy and enthusiasm about our richness in Christ. Talk to non-Christians about Jesus. Well, we don't even talk to people in our own churches about Jesus. I mean, gather in the average church lobby, and you'll find conversations about weather and sports and business and family, but it's amazing how few people are praying with each other in a lobby, or encouraging each other in faith, and expressing a recent encounter that we've had with the God who saved us, or a discovery in the Bible that's gotten our attention. Now, I can't change what doesn't happen in a church lobby. Only the Holy Spirit can. But what we can do is refamiliarize ourselves with who we have become in Christ. Get a sense of what Paul speaks about in Ephesians 3, 18 to 19, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's what sometimes happens. There are people who assume that when it comes to Christ and them, there's not much to talk about. Unlike someone who maybe came to Christ between the ages of, you know, 30 and 80, perhaps you came to Christ when you were five. Your mom kneeled with you at the bedside and you gave your life to Jesus. I mean, what more is there to say? So I want to talk about three essential things that you need to say. First, I want us to take stock of what the scripture has declared to all of us who are in Christ. Second, I want us to begin to see the reality of Romans eight twenty-eight, how God's weaving together every detail in our lives for our good. And third, on the basis of what we learned from those first two points, I want us to imagine what you would do today if you weren't in Christ. and That should give you something to talk about. So are you ready? Let's start with the first point. I need to take stock of who I have become in Christ. Remember Ephesians 2, 1 to 3? You were dead in trespasses, in sins. You followed the course of this world and the influences of Satan himself. As David reminds us in Psalm 51, we were born in sin, and as Ephesians reminds us, we were dead in sin. But whether it was at the age of five or at the age of 75, Ephesians 2 verse 4 says that God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. That's what happened from God's perspective when we were saved. Already, that sounds dramatic. And then once we were saved, God produced a reality in all of us. If you decide to read the New Testament with the objective of simply recording all that is now yours in Christ, I promise you it's going to be quite a list. For instance, Romans 8, 28 to 30, you will discover that you've been elected from eternity past. Galatians 2.16, you're going to discover that you're justified by faith in Christ. From Romans 8.14-17, you'll discover you were adopted into the family of God. That means that God has not only saved you, but that you were called a son or a daughter of God and now enjoy the rich privileges of sonship. From 1 Corinthians 6.11, you'll learn that you've been made holy or sanctified. From 2 Corinthians 3.18, where we are told we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another, and you'll learn that the process of holiness or sanctification is increasingly transforming you as you learn to trust in the promises of God. Until Hebrews 12, verse 23, which tells us of just men made perfect, we're assured that the sanctification process will reach its goal as we enter through the portal of death into our eternal dwellings. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen tells us we as believers were all baptized with the Holy Spirit, and numerous Bible texts teach us about the role of the Holy Spirit who now lives in our lives. He's the author of Our New Life, He's the one who, according to Galatians 623 to 24, gives us love and joy and peace. From 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, we learn of the gifts that he gives us for service. And from Ephesians 4, verse 30, we learn that when we sin, the Holy Spirit is grieved and brings a sense of sorrow into our lives. From 1 John 2, verse 3, we learn that the Holy Spirit builds an awareness in us of God's presence and I don't have time to talk about the Spirit's guidance, his assurance of our salvation, his helping us to understand Scripture, his guidance in prayer. I don't have time to talk about all the other benefits, but they would include our right to access into the presence of God, the gift of persevering faith, so that we can sing with confidence, that we know with certainty when the death dew lies cold upon our brow, we're going to say, if ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. I haven't even addressed the issue of the hope of eternity. I mean, once you start formulating a list of what you have been given in your salvation, there's really something to talk about. As long as we don't dig into this theme, all we ever know is, yeah, I guess my sins are forgiven. So do you want to be an evangelist? Why don't you start a life-changing project, read through the New Testament, and begin to list in a notebook everything that's yours in Christ. See, too many of us are like so many smartphone users, we have no idea of all the benefits of that phone we carry, and so it is with our salvation. So that's step one, I need to take stock of who I am in Christ. Number two, I need to begin to notice Christ in everything, Romans 8:28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, part of what it takes to understand that verse is the concept not just of God's sovereignty, but of his meticulous sovereignty. See, many believers have not yet been introduced to this profound Bible teaching. I mean, think of Proverbs 16:33: the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. See, God oversees every dice that's thrown onto the table. He oversees the motion of every quark. He watches over the trajectory of every arrow in the battlefield, and he's intimately involved in directing every area of your life and mine for the sake of his glory and for the sake of your and my long-term good. He will not allow a single incidental detail into the life of any one of his children that will not serve his glory and for our long-term good. And once we grasp that concept, we're going to begin to notice the action of Christ in everyday life. We'll see him in our wildest joy, in in our deepest griefs. We'll learn to give thanks in all things and develop a deep abiding peace in the middle of all things. We'll see what we used to call lucky or unlucky, and then we'll redefine those matters as all from the guiding hand of a God who causes all things to work together in the serving of our long-term eternal good. And once you see Christ in everything, you've got something to talk about. So, look, we need to take stock of who we have become in Christ. We need to see Christ's hand in everything. One more thing. Number three, I need to imagine what I would have been were it not for Christ. I'd be alienated from God. No eternal hope. That is, without Christ, every passing year would become a threat. I would lose everything I once had with passing of time. Only death in the end. I would not know the purpose for living. I would not know what happens at death. I would not know what it means to be a human. And Let me get personal. I know my personality. Were it not for Christ, I'm speaking of myself. By now, I think I would have ruined my health and wrecked the most precious relationships that I have. But instead of that, I'm surrounded by richness, something that money can't buy. And here's the point. Without Christ, I would not be who I have become. I would have never become what I will yet one day be. So to those of us who are not sure what it is that we have to share, you might wanna start exactly there. Instead of simply memorizing a gospel presentation, begin to take stock of the richness beyond compare that is yours. And then when you have thoroughly examined the richness of your treasure, the bank account beyond compare, then you might say, well, how can I keep quiet about that? Maybe I'd like to tell someone of what Christ has done to me. Thanks so
0: much, John. You know, it it seems to me that whenever we talk about evangelism, we bring it down to a strategy. But how do we make evangelism really part of our nature?
1: Um, I'm going to say two things here, and the first may sound like a strategy, but I'm going to say, first of all, um, we need to have in our own minds uh, and memorize some kind of a gospel presentation, so I just want to re-emphasize that. Uh, I think we need to do that, and yeah, I know a lot of churches have worked hard to help their own people to know how to share their faith effectively. I, I think it's a basic part of learning discipleship, so I, I do think there is some strategy that we should uh, should use. Having said that, however, if all it ever becomes is memorized lines rather than the outflow of a life that speaks easily and comfortably about Jesus, that recognizes his work in the world and in our lives. Um, So when suddenly we, you know, because it's not a part of our lives to be in tune with the Spirit and and talking about the things of the Lord when that's not a part of our lives, then, you know, to learn some kind of a strategy is like breaking our own heart. So I'm going to say the best place to start is that when you're involved in friendship with your Christian friends, uh, learn to speak much of the Lord. Then with your non-Christian friends, learn to do that as well. That's a start. Thanks again, John.
0: And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, I Will Tell, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. Hey, have you heard? Our free kids mobile game app, Bible ABCs for Kids, has some great new updates, making it easier for you to enjoy time with your children as they dive deeper into God's Word. Let your child enjoy tracing uppercase and lowercase letters while animated friends cheer them on, with the added feature of descriptive poems to help your kids better understand the Bible. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In a time where most learning is happening online, Bible ABCs for Kids helps our children continue to grow spiritually and in their understanding of God and His unconditional love for each of us. Download the updated version of Bible ABCs for Kids from the App Store and Google Play Store today. Or for more information, just give us a call at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.